Before you walk out, I got a text uh, from a parent last Sunday telling me that their kids were loving uh, Children's Church. So we, if you appreciate Brother Will and what he's doing, you give the Lord a round of applause. Appreciate that. Maybe turn it down just a tad, Brother Jim. I don't know if you've been uh, keeping up with the news, if you have been keeping up with the news. Uh, maybe you've seen uh, this past week has been pretty eventful. We've had the terrorist attacks in London. We've had uh, the debates over Obamacare and what's going to happen with that. And then we've had the questioning of Neil Gorsuch uh, for Supreme Court. And I haven't watched much of the questioning of uh, Mr. Gorsuch, uh, but I know what's going on, right? The senators from both parties are asking questions, and hopefully they're being serious in the questions they ask. They're asking questions to try to figure out uh, what kind of man will this uh, Supreme Court justice be, uh, because we're stuck with him. Uh, until he dies, which can be a long, long time. So there are a lot of questions, uh, no doubt, that are being asked of him to see what type of person he is. Well, for Christians, while all this is going on uh, among the world and many other things going on, for Christians, we are entering in uh, to a very special season uh, because most churches uh, use this time of year uh, to put a special spotlight on Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. We think about His passion. And uh, last year, we uh, spent all of Jesus' passion week going through what He did each day leading up to Resurrection uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday. And that was just a wonderful time of growing and, and learning in God's Word. And so uh, we're not to Passion Week yet. But we're quickly getting there, and this is the time where uh, hearts begin to think uh, with a renewed vision and a very focused way. Think about Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection from the tomb. And that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. We're going to contemplate Jesus, and we're going to think about who He was and what made His death on the cross so special, and His resurrection so powerful. Now, Mr. Gorsuch is being asked lots of questions by the authorities of this world because they want to know what type of judge will you be. Well, today we're going to look at a question. We're going to look at a question that was posed to Jesus Christ, and it's one of the most important questions that he was ever asked, and it is a question that you will have to answer about Jesus as well, so this morning, let's look at this question. Go to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're in the New Testament. Go to John's Gospel and go to chapter 18 and go to verse 33. John chapter 18, starting in verse 33. John 18, verse 33. Now, we're picking up this morning after Jesus has already been arrested. If you remember, He went with His closest disciples, the twelve. Uh, they went, uh, and they had a feast in an upper room. They celebrated the Passover together. And after they celebrated the Passover together, Jesus was then taken prisoner uh, by 
those from the uh, Sanhedrin court. They came and they took Jesus prisoner and he was brought before the Jewish court. And there's this back and forth about what to do with Jesus. And eventually Jesus, our Lord, uh, then think about this, here he is, the Lord God incarnate who should be asking the questions. The Lord Jesus who should be the one holding court uh, he is the one that has to go and answer accusers. And uh, first it starts with the Jewish people. And then they send him one place and they send him another. And finally he winds up before the Roman authority, before Pilate. And uh, Rome was the power. And Pilate was the representative of the mighty emperor of Rome. And as he answers before Pilate, it's as if Jesus, who is Lord over the earth, who spoke the world into existence, now has this pretender. Those that pretend that they were the great power, now he must answer their summons. Verse 33. Let's see what Pilate does. Chapter 18, verse 33. Pilate came in. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. So again, they're going to cast judgment upon Jesus. If you believe that this is an abomination for the world to question Jesus this way, say amen. This is wrong. Pilate entered to the judgment hall again. And he called Jesus and he said unto him, here is our question, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Of the Jews. Jesus answered him, saying, this is what he said, Sayest thou, or do you say this thing of yourself? Did you come up with this question yourself, Pilate? Or did others uh, tell it of me? Uh, Pilate, are you asking this from your heart? Are you inquiring, wanting to know for yourself? Is this something that you really desire to know if I am? the king of the Jews, or is this something that others have put you up to asking? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? What, Jesus, what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, he asked again. He says, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, thou sayest, are you a king? You say that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, that everyone that is of the truth will hear or heareth my voice. Are you a king? Thou hast said. In the Greek language, one of the most emphatic ways to affirm something is to ask it twice, to ask the same question in repetition. You have said... Thou sayest. Who is this Jesus that we will be celebrating on Easter Sunday? Who is this Jesus that we celebrate every Sunday? Why have we gathered and prayed in His name for the sick and the hurting already 
this morning, why have I devoted my life to preaching and lifting up one name among the many names that have come across the scene of history and exist in the world today? We lift up the name of Jesus because He is the King, not just the King of the Jews, but Jesus is the King of all God's people. If you are glad to be counted among that people this morning, say Amen. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the King. My friends, Jesus is King. And there are many ways that He has shown His kingship. One way that Jesus has shown that He is King is by fulfilling the promises that were made about this King who would come. So it had been promised that Jesus, the Messiah, would come. And it has been promised, my friends, that He will come again, just as it was promised a first time. It has been said that he will return in glory. And when he does, that'll be a day of shattering and a day of woes and of despair for those that do not know him. But when he returns again for those that are of his kingdom, it will be the gladdest day and the most joyous day that has ever been in all of eternity. Who is this king that we will think about? By the way, Vivian told me last week she about got excited during the service. And she said, she told Larry, she said, I, I was just about to have to get with it a little bit, and I don't know what those people would do, so you better hold on, because I gave Vivian permission last Sunday night. I said, you just go ahead and let it out. Who is, and if you can't get excited around Easter, something's wrong with you. Who is this Jesus? Are you a king? Thou hast said we're going to spend the next few weeks and we're going to meditate and we're going to contemplate and we're going to have the Holy Spirit through God's word remind us and maybe for some of you show you for the first time who Jesus is who is Jesus he is a king that came and he is the king who is coming and heading into this Easter season we will be using our worship time on Sunday mornings to be reminding us of this king Jesus and I'm going to just share over the next few weeks, I'm just going to share some things about Jesus to prepare our hearts and to prepare our mind for that great day of worship. So what I want us to do today is I want us to think about this Jesus and that Jesus was the promised King. Are you the King of the Jews? Yes, Jesus was the King. Jesus was the promised King. Jesus did not become a King by accident. He did not fall back into his position of kingship. It was ordained, it was promised that the Messiah would come and Jesus was the fulfillment of those promises. Now let's just worship a little bit today uh, by affirming who God is. If you believe that God keeps his promises, say amen. It was promised. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 promised a king. Here's the promise. For unto us a child is born. What kind of child? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name, what shall it be called? That's important when you name a child. It's important the name uh, that you give to a child. Who will that child be? What was his name? Unto us. It was promised unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of 
peace and the increase of his government, what will be what his government produces? What will be the legacy of this king's government, the prophecy said, of the increase of his government and of peace? There shall be no end. Upon, here we go, upon the throne of uh, his father David. What will he do? He will establish it in justice and in judgment forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. Who will make this promise come true? It was promised that the zeal of the Lord himself, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, shall perform it. What is the name of this king? Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of Peace, Democrat, Republican, Socialist, Monarchist. If that's a government we can all get behind, say amen. That was weak. Vivian, you just better let it out. They need some help, all right? This is his kingdom. He says it will be everlasting. There will be no end to it. He says in his kingdom there will be justice. He says in his kingdom he will sit upon David's throne and it will be established and the zeal of the Lord that's an interesting phrase there are things I can get zealous about there are things that I can get excited about now brother Matthew he loves metal music I don't get zealous about that Matthew like I just oh man don't make me listen to that he doesn't care he doesn't care if that's what I think you're zealous about it aren't you zealous I don't, I'm not zealous about that. What does it mean that God is zealous about something? What does it mean that God gets so excited and God is so committed that He says, my zeal, my zeal will make sure this happens. You know what God is zealous about? He is zealous about putting His Son Jesus upon an eternal throne forever. That's so important to remember that because when you see Pilate and you see the powers of this world questioning Jesus who is the one who will sit upon a throne that will have no end we begin to see just how blasphemous this whole affair is that the Jewish people and that the Roman government uh, and the Jewish leaders have brought Jesus into this is the one who it was foreordained would be the promised king Our you, the king of the Jews, thou hast said, thou sayest. Jesus is the promised king. Now, if he's the promised king, and his is the only kingdom that will last for all of eternity, and it is God's zeal who will establish this king, then the most important question in your life you will ever answer is, who will your king be? Will your king be the up and downs of your emotions? Some people, their emotions reign king in their life. Will your addictions be king over you? We all face things that we can become addicted to. Will you let your addictions be king over you? Will you allow your stomach to be king over you? We know what Esau did. He sold his birthright over a hungry stomach. Will your pride be king over you? Or will Jesus? Will Jesus, the promised king, also be your king? Students, don't take your cues from musicians. 
Do not take your cues from the movie makers of this world. Do not take your cues from your friends. Take your cues from the promised King. Take your cues from Jesus. And that's not just for students. Don't, don't take your cues from things you were told growing up that may or may not be true. If it's true, you know, it's what Jesus would want, then yeah, don't ever move away from it. But don't just take your cues from your past. And don't take your cues from your fears. And by the way, don't always take your cues from that doctor or that nurse. You take your cues from what Jesus has said and what He has promised His people. Now, it wasn't just the Old Testament, was it? It wasn't just the Old Testament that had promised this king. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, Jesus is the promised king. It wasn't just in the Old Testament that he was promised, though. Seven centuries pass from the time of Isaiah. Roughly seven centuries, 700 years or more go by. And then one night, in a little village of Nazareth, to a young girl named Mary, there would come an angel, Gabriel, and this angel would come and he would promise her that she would carry to term the promised king. Behold, Gabriel cried out to Mary that night. Behold, behold what? Behold, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. This God who had promised that my zeal will establish His kingdom. She says that same God, His Spirit of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore, that holy thing that will be born of you shall be called the Son of God. If there is not only the King of kings and Lord of lords, but if you believe today that He is the Son of God, say Amen. Power of the highest, the promise was made. Mary, the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that holy thing, the prophecy went on, and in it it said, the holy thing born of you shall be called the Son of God. This was no ordinary thing. In some ways it was ordinary. That's what's so awesome about the incarnation. In some ways it's the height of ordinary. It's just a young girl gets pregnant. That happens all the time. It's just a young family that will struggle to wonder how will we make it if we have this child, a father that no doubt had some insecurities and was really worried because... The child is not his. In some ways, it's a very, very ordinary story. But at the same time, it is the most extraordinary story that has ever been told because it was not just any ordinary thing that she would have in that uh, belly. It's not just any ordinary thing she would give birth to. It was the Son of God. God would overshadow. And a whole, I love that phrase, a sacred thing. A sacramentum, a holy thing. A sacred thing will be born from you. Why do we praise Jesus? Why do we pray in His name? Why should you take your struggles to Him? Why should you confess your sin to Him? Because Jesus is a holy, holy thing. We're not always holy. My children are definitely not holy. Uh, that, that's for sure. They're good boys. They're good boys. Don't tell my neighbors they're not holy. I think they've got you convinced, but other than you, they're not holy. I was reminded of that a couple weeks ago. It came time to pick our name. We've moved from basketball to soccer. It came time to name our soccer team. And it was the preacher's kids. We have black jerseys. It was the preacher's kids 
who said, Black Death! We want Black Death to be the name of our soccer team. Boys, I'm a preacher. I love my, I love my children. And I know my mom and dad love me. But can I tell you today, I'm not holy. They're not holy. There's only one holy, and it was the promised king. That's who's holy. And that is why you better kneel to him, and you better worship him, and you better give your life to him. Are you a king? Do you have, what does it mean to ask somebody, are you the king? It is saying, do you have a right to reign and govern over my life? Do you have the right? Do you have the right to tell me what I will do and what I won't do? Do you have the right to tell me how I will raise my children and how I won't raise my children? Do you have the right to tell me who I must forgive? Are you the king? And Jesus responds and says, Thou hast said. What an answer because Jesus, Jesus, let me tell you something about Jesus today. Jesus won't, not, he won't answer. In this life, He won't answer that question for you. That's what's so interesting about that. He won't answer for Pilate. He's signaling back, you've got to decide what you believe about me. Did you come up with that on your own? Or did somebody tell you? Because you've got to decide, Pilate, what do you believe about me? The prophecy said, a holy thing born of you shall be called the Son of God. And the Lord shall give unto him what? shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. Are you, Jesus, are you the king? Thou hast said. What do you say today about Jesus? Oh, he was promised. In Luke 2, we are told that the promises continue. In Luke 2, we're told that on the night of his birth, an angel appeared. An angel appeared to scared sheep watchers on Bethlehem's plains that night. And what did the angel, what did the messenger of God say to those shepherds? Unto you. Was he thinking about me on the cross? You better believe he was thinking about humanity on the cross because over and over the promises, and I love this, the promises keep saying, have you noticed this? They keep saying, unto you, unto you, unto you. The Jesus of the black man, unto you. The Jesus of the Mexican, unto you. The Jesus uh, of the European, unto you. The Jesus of the Asian, unto you. Does Jesus love the Jew, unto you. Does Jesus love me, unto you. If you love Jesus, say amen. Unto you is born not to somebody else, but also to somebody else. Unto you is born this day in the city of Bethlehem, what? A Savior. And for them, who is He coming to save when He's on that cross? He's come to save them. And it is said, unto you, you are why He has come. I have promised that He would come to redeem you. Unto you is born this day in the city of Bethlehem. A Savior, a Messiah, a Redeemer. Who is it? Which is Christ the Lord. And then, after that great proclamation was made to those shepherds, one was not enough. God doesn't just desire one preacher to proclaim his name. God does not want just one sold-out student for his cause. God 
God does not desire just one senior citizen. Yes, he will work with just one. But that's not all he wants. He doesn't just want one. What happens after this one angel made this proclamation? In Luke we're told, then the choir of angels appeared. A great heavenly host appeared to proclaim what? To proclaim in wondrous salutations the birth of the king to herald and to trumpet his name. And what did they say? What did they proclaim about this king? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. What will this kingdom be? It will be a kingdom of peace for all eternity. What is proclaimed by the angel crowd that night? That indeed on earth there will be peace. Because peace is to be found in this one king, the promised king. Where is your peace to be located? If you want true peace, it is only found in the promised king, Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? You can ask that question a number of ways. You can ask it accusing. You can ask it mocking. Are you? <laughs> Come on. The son of a carpenter. You're a Jew. Are you the king of the Jews? The Jews who have no political power. The Jews who we have conquered. The Jews who have to learn our language and our culture. And our, are you the king of the Jews? You can ask it that way. Or you can recognize that Jesus indeed is a holy, sacred thing and you can fall on your knees and you can ask Him today, are you the king? Are you the king who can save me? And you know what Jesus will reply back to you? His Holy Spirit will affirm in your heart, yes, I am. I am the promised king. Are you the king of the Jews? Thou sayest. What about you? What do you say about Jesus? Now there have been many promises made over the years. And many of those promises are promises that are not kept. We do not obey the Scriptures. We're told in the Scriptures to be careful about uh, having to swear. In fact, the Bible tells us as believers, you shouldn't really have to do that because you should be known that your yes is always yes and your no is always no. But the truth is, we are probably too flippant and we probably too often say things that we never do. Our word is not like God. We can trust God's promises today because He keeps them, but our word is often broken. I did a little research this week. I wanted to find out what are the most commonly broken phrases or the most commonly broken promises. Brother Rick, would you show these? Can we, can we get those up there? Top five lies that people tell. I'll be there in five minutes. I'll be, now just be honest. If you've ever told that lie, lift your hand. I'll be there in five minutes. All right. I'll call you back in ten minutes. Good Lord, you'll be lucky if I call you back this year. Click. I'll be there in five minutes. I'll call you back in ten minutes. By the way, guys, if you ask the girl out and she says, I'll call you back in ten minutes and she doesn't call back in thirty, she's not calling you back. Be there in five minutes. I'll call you back in ten minutes. I'll keep in touch. Now that's probably one a lot of us have said. I'll keep in touch. I'll keep in touch. Now this is one kids like to tell. I'll clean my bedroom later today. 
Clean that room up. I'll clean it later today. And then the lie that gets told in church all the time, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. I'll pray. I'll ask God. There are many promises that have been made over the years. And there are many promises that have never been kept. Maybe your boss promised you a promotion that you never received. Maybe your spouse promised on that wedding day to be faithful and they were not. Maybe your children, uh, maybe your children have promised that they would come visit and see you and they do not. Maybe your dad or mom promised you as a child to spend time with you, but they never had time, it seemed. My friends, many promises have been made and many have not been kept. But Jesus is the promised King. And my friends, Jesus is the promise kept. Oh, when those shepherds that night, when they made their way into Bethlehem, they found just what the angels, just what the messenger, just what the Word of God had proclaimed. They found a babe in swaddling clothes who was so ordinary but was so extraordinary because they found exactly what had been promised. They found in Bethlehem a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords. And my friends, Easter is approaching on the calendar, but you don't have to wait for Easter because the King is already here. Are you the King of the Jews? Thou hast said. What do you say about Jesus? What do you say about Him? Because there is another promise that has also been made in the Word of God about Jesus that I believe today. Oh, it was promised that He was, would come. It was promised in the Old Testament. It was proclaimed in the New Testament. And the promised King has come. But there is another promise of Jesus. And this promise has to do with that great day of judgment. On that day of accounting for the lives that we have lived. If you have a King that is your Lord, you owe Him your allegiance. You owe Him your fealty. You owe Him certain things. And see, Jesus spoke this world into existence. And Jesus, the power of God, created all that you see and all that you know. When you're born into a kingdom, you're born into a country, you owe that country your allegiance from the day of your birth. And if you've been born into God's world, and clearly you have, you owe allegiance to God. But there comes a time in your life, whatever country you live in, where you have a desire, a will, and you can make a decision, am I going to be a loyal citizen of this kingdom or not? And the only way to be a loyal citizen of God's world, the only way to really be in harmony with God who created this world is to be in harmony with His Son, Jesus the King. And it's been told, it's been promised, just as it was promised He would come, it's been promised that there's another day coming. And on that day of judgment, the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friends, Jesus is the promised King. He is the forgiver of sins. He is the establisher of the throne of David. He is the giver of peace. Jesus is King. But is He your King? 
Oh, make no doubt about it. It was the promised king who looked back into the eyes of Pilate on that day. It was the promised king who for the souls of men and women allowed this world to play its game of putting God Himself on judgment in that hall. Are you the king thou hast said? But who do you say Jesus is? Today is the day. Today is the day to come and to kneel and to give your allegiance to Jesus because He is the King. I'm going to ask Miss Levita to come and do our special invitation today. And she's going to play the same song that she already played. And I'm going to ask her as she comes to play this morning and as she sings for us, if there is a gulf between you and your King, if there is sin that separates you from your King, you better not worry about anybody else. You better come and kneel and ask for forgiveness. If there is a weight on your mind, if there is a concern deep within your soul, God has said that He would zealously establish Jesus. I would encourage you to zealously come today and to lay your burdens before this King. If you have never confessed Him publicly, if you've never proclaimed Him, if you've never been baptized as a sign that you died to your sins and that Jesus saved you, if you've never confessed Jesus, you better come today. Because my friends, Jesus is your King. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, I pray today that Your Holy Spirit, not the power of my words or the power of my heart. But Lord, I ask fervently this morning that Your Spirit would move. And Lord, I pray if there are those who need to come and spend time in prayer with the King, that they would come. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your eyes closed.